All right, book of Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading today at verse number 1. Amen. Somebody say amen when they got it. And then we're going to read down to the 10th verse. If you would like to read, let me know. If not, I could read. Hallelujah. All right, I'll read. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let no arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, (coughs) and they that were hungry ceased. So that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath borne children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth, the Lord maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor. The Lord maketh rich. He make he bringeth low and he lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Verse 10 says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Your word is precious to us. Your spirit is precious to us. The fellowship we have with one another is precious. And God, I'm asking you now that you would anoint me in this moment to speak your word with wisdom and understanding. Lead me and guide me, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right. So as... Those of us uh, who have been, which is almost just about all of us, uh, those of us who have been here, uh, as, you'll, as you know, we started uh, very early on in Genesis, uh, and then we got into Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all this, and last week we, we finished up the book of Judges. Um, I, made, I made reference last week to the fact that the book of Judges was written by Samuel. That is what most people believe. That is the traditional uh, idea. Now, um, Samuel is, we get into the next book after Judges, which is First and Second Samuel. And I am going to just kind of interject some of this just so you know. Uh, this is the first time, as many of you have noticed, or uh, that have read your Bibles, you, you've noticed that this is the first time you start seeing things like First and Second Samuel. And then you'll see First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and all this. Uh, originally, these books were not divided this way; they were just one single book. Um, in regards to the book of Samuel, Samuel did not write both of the books, First and Second Samuel. Um, he couldn't have; it's impossible because Samuel dies in First Samuel chapter twenty-five, so he could not have written Second Samuel one. Uh, 
In fact, Samuel never, and we'll, we'll learn about this later, Samuel wasn't even alive. He never even lived to see David, the king, take the throne. So Samuel dies in chapter 25. In regards to the book of Samuel, when they labeled this book the book of Samuel, they were not doing so as an indicator of who the author was, but rather of the significance of Samuel himself. Samuel is an extremely significant person in scripture. And we, we will probably spend a few weeks just on this book alone. But what you have from, from Genesis all the way down to the book of Samuel is you have prophets, priests, judges, kings. These are the, the four types of leadership that Israel had. Um, Moses is, of course, the prophet. And even prior to him, there was other men who were definitely qualified as prophets. Um, but then uh, pro- the prophet, the main prophet of the scripture, Moses, uh, uh, will go on to establish a priesthood. Uh, that priesthood will then, uh, under that, that priesthood stays in place, but then judges arise. We talked last week about how judges are these people who rise up during difficult times in Israel's uh, uh, nationhood and they rescue the people but then they die and then uh, after judges we have kings kings become the ruling uh, the monarchy become the ruling class of Israel now the reason that Samuel is so significant is because he is actually he holds all these kind of different offices he is actually a judge uh, most biblical expositors consider him a judge and the reason they consider him a judge is because when you read from 1 Samuel onward, he is constantly being called upon by God when Israel's in trouble. And uh, Samuel's, Samuel's life begins uh, in a very interesting way. Um, and the way it begins, most of us know this, but he has this mother named Hannah who cannot have children. Um, her husband tells her, you know, she's, she's distraught, she's heartbroken over the fact that she cannot have children. And... Um, her husband tells her, you know, what's the big deal? You know, you can't have kids, but you have me. That's exactly what he tells her. He's like, he says, am I not better than 10 children? Uh, so Hannah does not agree with him. <laughs> and she goes, she goes over to pray. And at the time, there was a man who was in charge. Uh, the, the leading priest at that time was a man by the name of Eli. And she goes into the temple and she begins to pray fervently. And um, Eli accuses her of being drunk. He says, you're drunk. You're crazy. Um, and so she says, I've, I've not, I'm, I haven't drunk. Very poetic. She says, I have not drunk. I have poured out my soul. And so um, as she is doing this, Eli tells her, go your way. Uh, whatever you're asking God for, you're going to have it. Well, unbeknownst to Eli, she was asking for her son. And God gives her this son. And his name is Samuel. And she makes God a promise that she will bring Samuel back to the temple and dedicate him to God. And that's exactly what she does. She brings this boy Samuel back to the temple. And um, when she dedicates him, um, uh, he is probably already very, I, and I won't even go into the details as to how we know this, but um, he's already a, an older, he's already somewhat older, um, but he he's dedicated in the temple and he's left there. His mom leaves him to be raised by Eli. Um, his mom comes back every year to check up on him. Um, but during that period of time, Samuel, Samuel's prophetic 
life begins to develop very quickly. He begins to hear the voice of God at night. And uh, he, he comes to Eli and says, man, uh, did you call for me? And Eli tells him, no, that was the voice of the Lord that you heard. And so that is the, the beginning of Samuel's ministry uh, from that day forward. Um, and, and I won't belabor all this, but uh, Eli, the priest, eventually dies. Um, and all of a sudden, Samuel's raised up and he begins to operate as the leader of Israel. Um, and the Bible says that the Bible doesn't say this about many people, but it says not a single word ever fell from Samuel's uh, mouth. And what it means by that is that every prophecy he ever gave, every every uh, word on behalf of the Lord, it, ne- it always came to pass. It was extremely accurate. Um, he never missed, if, if I could use that term. And so... Um, the, the people of Israel feared Samuel greatly. Those of you who have read uh, these books might remember that when Samuel goes over to the house of Jesse to anoint David to be king, the Bible says that the town elders came out in fear and they asked him, comest thou peaceably? He was an extremely powerful person. Um, the people trembled at his coming. The people were afraid of him. And I don't think, uh, I think it was with some amount of due reverence. I don't think they were terrified of him, but they knew that, uh, hey, if this guy, uh, if this guy gets upset, it's not going to be good. Um, the book of Samuel is a book of transitions. There's a, there's a ton of transitions taking place. Uh, there's the transition from, from prophet to priest, and then uh, it starts turning into the transition of kings. Um, and, and this transition into the kingship happens because Israel asks for a king. They say, we want a king like all the other nations. And God gives them a king. Um, and this, this part of the book is actually very controversial. Because in Judges, as we talked about last week, um, uh, Israel is going wacko. They're going crazy. And Samuel, who wrote the book, says it is because there was no king in Israel. But when Israel tells Samuel, we want a king, Samuel begins to cry. He, he has a total meltdown. And the reason he has a meltdown is not because he, uh, he is being replaced. Because, in fact, he is not being replaced. The reason he has a meltdown is because he is now going to have to Share his leadership position with someone who he knows is going to be extremely carnal. All right. His, his grievance is not the fact that now Israel is going to have a king. His grievance is what that king is going to do. And he tells them, he said, he's going to take your sons for war. He's going to take your daughters for, for his own use. He's going to take your fruits, your lands. He's not, he's not, He's not necessarily downplaying these things. He's just letting them know kings have kingdoms and you're going to pay for those kingdoms. Those things don't come free. And in fact, later on, Samuel will go on to tell them. He says, bear witness against me. Whose land have I ever taken? I've, you guys have a prophet right now on your hands and I don't ask for payments. I, I do this. This is a, a labor of love. But what you guys are about to get is 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 a is a working over from this king whatever's yours is going to become his and Samuel's grievance is now I have to now me and this guy are going to have to direct you and this is going to be very complicated because this king is going to have different interests than mine because Samuel I think in, in genuine humility knows that his only interests 
are God and the people. But the king has different interests. He has political interests. He has dynastic interests. He wants to take care of his family. He's going to want his son and his son's sons to be the, the, the next ruling monarchy. But nevertheless, God says, this is the direction we're going to go. So why is this a problematic text? The reason this is a problematic text is because a lot of people misinterpret it to say, well, it looks like God can't make up his mind whether kings are good or kings are bad. That's not the problem. In fact, what God is doing is actually amazing. What God is doing through all these transitions and the transition into kings, and you'll notice as you read from Samuel to 2 Kings, most of the kings fail, including David. They all end up to be pretty messed up. But what God is doing from prophet to priest to judge to king is he's, he's flashing glimpses of what he is. And he's actually scooting Israel and actually at the end of the day, all of humanity towards the idea that that he is better than any form of governance. Jesus is not. Revelation says that Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Prophets are awesome, but Jesus is the source of prophecy. Amen. Uh, He is our high priest. Amen. Hallelujah. He is our king of kings. Amen. He is our counselor. He is he is all these things and that much more. In fact, he's not just those things. He's even more of that. God will even encroach upon um, the very the rudiments and the foundation of human governments, because when we're born, our first form of government is our household. Our mom and dad are the ones that kind of rule over us. Amen. But Jesus even tells us when you pray, how should you pray? Our father, which art in heaven. And so what Jesus is saying, what God is saying through it all is, yes, judges rise up and go down. Kings go up and kings go down. Amen. Prophets are great, but they also are human. But I'm all of that and much more. Hallelujah. When you get Jesus, you get it all. Hallelujah. When you get Jesus, you get a king of kings. Hallelujah. When you get Jesus, you don't get a prophet. You get the spirit of prophecy. Hallelujah. When you get Jesus, you don't just, you you get a judge who never fails. We talked last week about how Gideon delivers the people, but then he builds a cow. Jesus will deliver you. Amen. He is incorruptible. Hallelujah. Jesus doesn't fall backwards from saving you. Hallelujah. Jesus doesn't have this glorious moment in your life. And then all of a sudden he starts failing. No. Once Jesus, amen, delivers you, he keeps on delivering you. And that's why we, that's why the old timers used to say he gets better and better as the years go by. Amen. We can't say that about Gideon. We can't say that about Samson. We can't say that about, amen, all the other judges, but we can say that about Jesus. (laughs) Amen. The prophets themselves were pretty polarized people. Uh, Amen. Uh, People like uh, 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 Elijah. Amen. He, He can save Israel one day and he's hiding in a cave the next. Amen. Jesus came out of the cave. Hallelujah. He came out of the tomb. Hallelujah. He, he was, he's all these things and that much more. And so what's actually going on is all arrows are pointing towards God. All arrows are pointing towards Jesus Christ. So it's not that God had a change of mind. It's just that God is moving humanity. He does that in our lives now. That's exactly what he's doing now. You, you know, um, and this is personal, but I don't mind this sharing. I don't mind sharing this with you. Um, I was not raised by my father. I love my father. My father's really done his best to try to make his way back into my life. But my parents were divorced very young. And I, I remember, and I, I'm, I'm being very sincere with you tonight. I did this very objectively. I thought to myself, I wonder if it was better 
that I just never knew my dad. Rather than to know my dad, but know that he's not in my life. That he's like in and out, in and out, in and out. Like, I wonder what would have been better for me. But I've been, and I remember thinking about all these things. And I remember in the middle of it, God stopping me. And God saying, that's besides the point. You have me. <laughs> and I can be, this is, not, this is not just hyperbole. This is me not just talking pretty. When I tell you that God will be a father to you, he will be a father to you. When I tell you, when I tell you that he'll be better than a father to you, he really will be. Amen. I'm, that's not, that, I'm not just up here just flapping my gums. I'm telling you, and, and I'm telling you the truth. We all love our parents, even, even in the most perfect circumstances. But there's days we all wish we could have had better parents. There's days we wish we could have spent more time with our parents. There's days we wish that they, but can I tell you that God really will be a parent to you. God will be a good parent to you, a father to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, we, we go on. We, you don't have to live in society very long to know that even our own government, I think our government is the best in the world. I've traveled enough to tell you. I've come back to America and, t- and kissed concrete. But I'm still telling you, it's not better than the government of God. Hallelujah. It's a great country, but it's not better than God's country. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> and, and we've all had... Uh, we've all been under societal governments where we, the, the, the governing powers of society and all these things. But none of that is better, amen, than, than, than what God has going on. All those things might be good. All those things might be bad, whatever they are. But I want you to know that when it comes to God, it's all good all the time. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so uh, God is moving Israel towards this concept of I am the best thing that will ever happen to you. And, uh, and Samuel, Samuel is, is stuck. He is, he is, he's living in that twilight zone between the end of, of, of the era of judges and the beginning of this very complicated time, uh, of having now to share the leadership position with a man who he knows is not spiritually engaged. And, um, God tries, God tries to, to make Saul as spiritually engaged as possible. And the way he does this is he picks Saul by the spirit. God, is a, God elects Saul. He tells Samuel, I'll show you who this guy's going to be. I'll send you to his house. I'll tell you who his parents are. And we're going to do this. And, and Samuel finds Saul. And the Bible says that when um, Saul uh, meets Samuel, Samuel gets him, gives him a... Initially, Saul, the first king of Israel, is extremely humble. Um... But Samuel tells him, he says, you're going you're gonna to go out into the desert. He said, and you're going to find a band of prophets. And um, this, this whole thing about prophets and kings will exist throughout the entirety of Israel's history. Israel, from, from, from the book of Samuel onward, um, the kings of Israel will have to share their, the leadership of Israel with prophets. It's actually, it's actually genius when you think about it. There is no centralized form of power. That's how our governments run today. It's, it's divided. It's, there's, there's fractions in it. And that's to balance things out. And God did this thousands of years ago. God said, I'm, the kings are not going to be in charge. No matter how much they want to be, I'll raise up men of God that will walk right through the palace doors and stick that, their crooked finger in the face of the king and let him know you're about to go down. Yeah. And the kings of Israel understood this. They knew. The, and, and it wasn't just kings and prophets. There was priests. Priests 
as well had a great say in the nation's uh, future. So God had already, God was already doing divisions of power and decentralizing uh, any one source of power because ultimately God wanted all the people to look to him. But, um, but the first thing that God does with uh, Saul is he lets, uh, he lets him get a good dose of the Holy Ghost and uh, he goes out into the wilderness and um, there's, there's so much in all of this that, that will go, that even touches us today in Pentecostalism. But they, he goes out into the wilderness and the Bible says there's a band of prophets out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden in the desert, there's like these guys with like flutes and, and harps and like guitars and drums. And they're like singing and, and they get around Saul and Saul literally in Hebrew, the, the exact phrase is he loses his mind. He, and this the Bible says Saul was head and shoulders above everyone. So you can imagine there's, uh, and in fact, it was very, it's very commonly believed that people in Palestine often did not even grow above five feet tall. They have tons of skeletal remains of people in the days of Jesus. And before they were, they didn't have the nourishment we did. They were, they tip, they were typically very short and little. Uh, in fact, you read about the guy, um, Zacchaeus in the Bible, the Bible says he was a little man. The Greek word there is micro. I mean, he was, there was already little people and he was even small. He was micro, but you can imagine, you could see this, you could see this guy. He's like head and shoulders above everybody. And he's surrounded by all these short people. <laughs> they just got the bands going and he gets caught in the prayer circle and he loses his mind and uh, he just he falls out in a trance. I'm telling you, people, this this stuff that we do called Pentecost. Yes. This is this is older than Pentecost. This this idea of instruments and prophetic unction and praying for people and people falling out. This is not new. This is not this is not new with the modern church. This is not even new with Acts. This has been going on since way back there. And um, in fact, uh, in Spanish, I love the way it says it says that when Saul got up, uh, it says God le mudó el corazón. It means totally God just gave him a, a brand new transmission. I mean, he gets up and his heart is totally changed. It's he, he is. In fact, he is such a different individual that the Bible says that there was a proverb in Israel is Saul among the prophets. The guy who was this big, tall, handsome jock all of a sudden is like spiritually sensitive and he's walking around prophesying and he's just this, he, his heart is totally changed. It is revolutionized and uh, he becomes the leader of Israel. God God starts him off on the right foot. But eventually, Saul has issues with listening to God. He will not obey. He will not do exactly as he is told. And the big problem with Saul, and we don't see this until we, we realize that he, he, he was never meant to consolidate all the powers of Israel. He was never intended to be the sole voice and authority of Israel. But he starts getting funny. And, and one day he asks, uh, he's going out to war and Israel was not allowed to go out to war without the blessing of God. And we see this all the way back to Joshua where Joshua says, hey, we're not going out to war and, and, and leaning on our sword and our prowess. We want the blessing of God to win this battle. And, and, and Saul is going out to war and he says, you know what? Uh, uh, where's Samuel? He's taking a little too long. And uh, he takes... I've, I've read it a million times. I, I read right past it, not realizing what he's doing. But he, he says, because Samuel was, was going to come and do the sacrifice and, and give the blessing and allow them to go out into war. And he says, you know what? Um, I can do that. 
I could do that. We, we don't need Samuel to do that. And he is out of his lane. You know, when you read about the death of Joshua, we talked about this the other day, staying in your lane in your boundaries. The Bible says that Joshua died within his boundaries. You ought to stay in your lane even after you're dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. You live in your lane and die in your lane. Hallelujah. Get in your business and stay in your business. Hallelujah. If God didn't tell you to do that, don't go do it. Hallelujah. You're going to hurt yourself. And, uh, but but uh, he says, I could do that. And what it really is, it's a power grab. David consolidated the whole kingdoms of Israel. But what David never did was play the prophet. David never said, oh, you know, I'll do all that. But the Bible in the book of Acts actually does call David a prophet. He, he could get into that prophetic realm. But just because he could get in it never meant. He, he said, yeah, I could. You know, God touches me like that. But I'm not the prophet. Nathan's the prophet. Yeah, I, yeah, I, could, I could get down. You know. I mean, I can't like, I like to think I could sing until I hear like Brother Jesse sing. You know, that's not my lane over there, you know. You, you got to know your lane or you're going to hurt yourself. You know, it's, and you're, you're going you're, you're to hurt yourself. So, so Saul makes this power grab. And, and as, as he's got a handful of Samuel's lane, Samuel shows up. And it's really the beginning of the end. Because after that, Saul just keeps on messing up. He keeps on messing up. He's either going too far or not far enough. The next time God tells him, I want you to destroy all the Amalekites. All of them. And there was a reason why God wanted them to do this. There was a good reason because way back in Exodus, I believe it was 17 or 27. Way back in Exodus... The Amalekites, as the Israelites were leaving Egypt, the Amalekites attacked them. And in fact, it's there that the Lord tells Moses, fight back. And when you're done fighting, we're going to build an altar. I believe it was the altar that they later went on to call Jehovah Nissi. But he says, God says, from this day forward, for all generations, we will fight against those people who tried to destroy us on our way to liberty. Because if there's any spirit, if there's any devil God hates, it's the one that tries to keep you from being free. Hallelujah. And God says, I will wage war against that spirit for all its generations. And Saul is told to kill the Amalekites, to utterly destroy them. And what does he do? He keeps, he keeps a lot of them alive. Uh, he keeps the king alive. He keeps all the, all the livestock alive. And uh, Samuel says, this is not right. He said, this is not what God told us to do. And, uh, and he says, here's, here's the beautiful part. <laughs> well, it's gruesome, but it's real. Uh, Samuel says, bring me the sword. And he, he cuts, <laughs> he cuts uh, Agag, the king's head off. Um, and I know that's a gruesome story, but Samuel, Samuel's saying, the job has to get done. It, it, we don't just leave things undone. Like we get it done. Yes. And, uh, and if, if there's anything that we extract from that, of course, it's not that we ought to hurt people. But the, the lesson we should all take from that is whatever you do, whether you do. 
I don't, as the pastor here, honestly, I don't even care if you're, if you're good at it or not. I care if you can finish it. Hallelujah. But whatever you do in the kingdom, whether it's in your personal life or here at the church, just get it done. Even if it's taped and, and glued together, but get it done. Hallelujah. Get it done. Hallelujah. As they say, amen. Whatever you do for God, get it done. Just go all the way. Hallelujah. Don't stop halfway. Just keep going all the way with Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's pretty. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's perfect. But you know what God is looking for? Not just for doers but people who can get it done. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Samuel says, we're going to get this done. But he tells him, he said, this day is the kingdom torn out from beneath you or taken or taken out of your hands. We've said all that to say this. And as the weeks go, we'll talk a little bit, uh, a little bit more about some of the more interesting nuances and dynamics of this book. You'll notice that tonight we begin in a very weird place. In this book, we begin at what most scholars call the song of Hannah. The scripture itself calls it the prayer of Hannah. But uh, she is, in fact, singing. Why did we begin at this song? Why? This is a good question. Why, why would we begin here? Um, because when the book begins, it is at the beginning that we are told by this woman She didn't just get pregnant. She got prophetic. We are told at the beginning of this book what the whole book is going to be about. And what is the whole book about? That it's all God. Hannah says, God kills and God makes alive. God makes sterile and God gives children. God brings people down and God raises people up. God God does it all. Hallelujah. Hannah said, you know what? I got a revelation about God. Amen. It's not, amen. It's God who brings one man down and it's God who brings another person up. It's God who maketh poor and it's God who maketh rich. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hannah said, you know what? I've been through it. Hallelujah. Just when I thought it was all over, I came to find out that God takes you up from the dunghill. Amen. And he puts you up on high places. He takes you out of the dust. Amen. It's God that does it all. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Hannah's saying we ain't giving credit to the devil and we ain't giving credit to the king and we ain't giving credit to this or that. We're not giving credit to our health, whether it's good or bad. It's God that does it all. Hallelujah. We're not giving credit to the car. We're not giving credit to the bus pass. Hallelujah. It's God who does it all. Amen. It's God from beginning to end. He's alpha. He's omega. He's over. Amen. She goes on to say he is a, he's over the, the he's over the pillars, the frames of the earth. Hallelujah. He's over this whole thing. Amen. God's Hannah, Hannah says, you know what? I want everybody to know. I want Eli to know. Hallelujah. I want my enemies to know. I want my friends to know. It's God who does it all. Hallelujah. It's God who's running this kingdom. It's God who's running this world. It's God who's running my life. It's God who's giving me this child. It's God who I'm going to give it back to. Hannah says, he gave me this kid. He's getting it back. Amen. Because it's his anyways. Hallelujah. He does it all. He's all in all. He's in us all. He's through us all. He's God in all. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We ought to give God praise at all times right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I think that this message is extremely relevant because today it's not easy to feel. It's not. You don't got to do a lot to feel powerless today. You don't got to do a lot these days to feel like your hands are tied. You know, I, I, I was just even today. I was just thinking, man, just go ahead and call. Just try to get a hold of your health care provider. See how powerless you feel. Holy, just 
Go ahead and put in a call to Blue Cross or Anthem or whoever you use and see how soon they answer the phone. Hallelujah. God forbid you're actually sick already and in the hospital trying to get hold of them. Hallelujah. God forbid. God for you feel pretty powerless when you, you just you're driving and man, there's thing takes a picture of you and you just barely even just you stop before it turned red and you're powerless. You're you're in there. You don't even know how to begin to explain the judge. I didn't did, did. You call you know, you call these 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 centers and you don't get a person on the other line. You get a you get a computer and you gotta you're yelling at it. <laughs> Customer service. You, you listen to the news, you read the newspaper, and uh, you see what's going on in our world, and you think, man, don't even want to go down to Pier 39. You just don't know. Someone's going <laughs> to lose their mind and just try to blow things up. And, and, and you have the president, amen, and other presidents talking about who's got bigger nuclear missiles. And just, who am I? You know, I'm like this person, this, this single person living... Amen. Uh, in Alameda, praise God. And, and it's, 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 it's so easy to feel powerless these days. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you can have, as Hannah, Hannah had what we would probably call today a health condition. She was still, she could not have children. There was probably days she felt like, man, I didn't ask for this. Yeah. And uh, in fact, her husband in those days, polygamy was popular, but her husband had another wife. And man, that, that woman was just dropping kids off like there was no tomorrow. She just she blinked and got pregnant. I mean, it was just and, and that's why Hannah, even in the song, she says, man, she says, God will give he'll make the barren to sing. Hallelujah. And uh, but there's probably days she felt so powerless. She thought, I don't have any. Just when I thought that I had control, I've come to find out I have no control. But in the midst of all that, she finds out, you know what? I have a powerful God who's watching over me. Amen. Hallelujah. And I don't, I don't have to get caught up in all this stuff going on around me. I can, I, can, I, can, I can stand confident in God and look at the situations and look at the dynamics. I don't have to. I can read the news and not get stressed out. Amen. I can, I can, I can look in the mirror. Amen. At, at, and wish and wish things were different. Or I can look up to heaven. Hallelujah. And say, you know what, God, you're in control of all of this. Hallelujah. Amen. You'll you'll work all of this out. I don't know how. I don't need to know how. Amen. Hallelujah. I I remember the other day I was driving. I saw this billboard and it said uh, it said hello. I will not be needing your help this morning. And then on the bottom it was signed God. Hallelujah. And that's just how God really is. Amen. Trust me. He, he don't need your help. Amen. He, he needs your praise. He needs your worship. Amen. But he don't need your help. Amen. He's got it all under control. Hallelujah. He's God through it all and in it all. He is God of all. Hallelujah. And kings go up and kings go down. And God raises one man up and he brings another one down. But God is in control of it all. So I want to encourage you tonight. And we, we got a long several lessons to go, but we're wrapping this up here. I want to encourage you tonight. Amen. Whether you've got difficult co-workers or you're fighting the flu, God's in control of it all. Amen. God is in control of it all. And sometimes, sometimes it takes time to get your house back. Amen. And sometimes it takes time to get your son back. Amen. But God is in control of it all. Amen. And He slowly will move you across the chessboard of life. 
and he'll get you to that other side. Hallelujah. And you'll, you'll be turned into a whole new little piece. Hallelujah. And you'll go from a pawn to a queen. Hallelujah. You'll go from a pawn to a rook. Amen. And you'll have, you'll have new mobile liberties. Amen. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to leave that. We're just looking right now at a quick overview of Samuel. Next week, we got some really interesting things I want to show you about it. We're going to talk a little bit about the leadership we get in life and the leaders we have to be in life and uh, some of the, the positive and negative consequences. Amen. But uh, that's it for now. We're going to stop right there. And uh, we know now what the whole book is going to be about. We're going to see what happens during those transitions. But the most important thing and the most critical point for us tonight is that God is in it all. Amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. Heavenly.